Hey, everybody, this is John at Ubaldi Reports, the one website that provides fact, not fiction, on issues facing America, whether internationally or domestically. And it's put together by three Marines who two of us served in combat in both Iraq and Afghanistan, and one is a retired, medically retired Marine. So this is all basically three enlisted Marines talking about issues that impact the lives of Americans, but based off fact, not fiction. So let me introduce my other co-host is Joe Bitts, who is a combat wounded Marine from Iraq, and Ray Krause, who was medically retired from the Marine Corps. So how you guys, how are you doing, gentlemen? Great, John. Doing well. How now, are you? I'm doing good. It's good. There's a lot going on in the world, and today's, today's podcast that we're putting out on TikTok is Joe Biden being humiliated on his foreign policy trip to the Middle East, and... It's reverberating today, and it's it kind of ironic that for somebody who spent 36 years in the Senate, eight years as vice president, and his whole ex, his whole experience was, or at least he touted, was his expertise in foreign affairs, and so far, his foreign policy has been one unmitigated disaster, starting from the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan, and it played a major factor when he went to Saudi Arabia. Now, the purpose was, he's not going to admit it, was to get the Saudis, the Gulf states, and OPEC to increase energy production. But it's ironic, two weeks prior, the president of France told him when he was at the G7 NATO summit that, excuse me, that the Saudis and the Gulf state were not going to be able to increase energy production by just only a little bit. So it's a, it's amazing to me that he still went there to meet with the Saudis to get their cooperation and increase energy production. So, well, didn't he have to take a break in between because they didn't his staff didn't want him going from Europe straight over there? That was the speculation that he went from Europe back to the United States to get a little break. Before he went to Saudi Arabia, and this was put on, this was, I think, put together by the New York Times, hardly a conservative outlet, but they're really been writing a lot of stories about how he's not up to where he was before. I mean, before he became president or even when he was vice president. So they're seeing a cognitive decline. They're seeing his aides kind of giving a cover, putting him in situations when he know he can handle it. But you notice he doesn't do anything at night. And he has a lot of time off. He spent more time going to Delaware than he did um, any other president. Were, I mean, were people aware that they're getting a part-time president? At the time, I mean, this issue came up, but I think people were so adamant to get rid of Donald Trump, they were going to overlook this. But during the 2020, the media focused like a laser beam on Donald Trump, that Joe Biden was able to stay in his basement and they did very softball news interviews. They never questioned him. They never challenged him on anything. And now that he's president, you got a lot of liberal commentators and even some Democrats are saying they don't want Joe Biden to be the presidential nominee. And even the New York Times had a poll out where 64 percent of Democrats don't want Joe Biden to be the nominee. Now, you have some foreign experience, especially from between Iraq and Afghanistan. So what did it look like to you that was playing out between him and the Saudis? Well, the first part is his administration 
badly mishandled by not knowing the region. And what I mean by that is, during the 2020 presidential campaign, he jumped all over President Trump because President Trump wasn't harder on Saudi Arabia for the killing of Jamal Khashoggi, that was, which our intelligence services said that was committed or authorized by the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, the MBS. So he goes there, but prior to that, he called it, we're going to make Saudi Arabia a pariah nation. Okay. What, Go into a little bit more. Break it down to me, the uneducated one. What's a pariah? We're going to ostracize you. Okay. We're just going to make you irrelevant. Got it. The problem is the world doesn't revolve around how we look at things. Now, it was reprehensible what Saudi Arabia did. There's other ways to... Let our allies know. Now, those, Saudi Arabia is an interesting ally. Everybody can point to most of the hijackers of 9-11 came from Saudi Arabia. I got all that. And I'm not trying to mitigate that. But what I am saying is we need Saudi Arabia as a bulwark against Iran. And what people need to understand, for the Muslim world, Saudi Arabia is the guardians of the two holiest shrine in Islam, Mecca being the number one, Medina being number two. So we need to understand what we're getting into. And then when you call Saudi Arabia a pariah nation and make them a pariah nation, but now, but you're still going to have to deal with them. So the question I would ask the national security team of Anthony Blinken, who's Secretary of State, and Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, what were you guys thinking? This is, I mean, if you're going to have to deal with this, at some point, you're gonna you were forced to come on bended knee to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And then now this we never could suspect because energy prices spiked that he went there to get the Saudi cooperation, but he already knew two weeks in advance Saudi Arabia wasn't gonna. So he went there knowing that they were gonna say no. Yeah. Or he didn't either didn't get it, or he thought he could persuade them, but when you deal with the world, it's all how they perceive you to be strong or perceive you weak. Now, Bing West, the military correspondent, wrote a book called The Strongest Tribe. Uh -huh. So either you're strong or you're weak. Now, as much as people want to scream at the big bad orange men, Donald Trump exuded confidence. He exuded strength. But more importantly, he exhibited strength. He killed Baghdadi. He killed Qasem Soleimani, which everybody said don't do. He moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And then he killed 250 Russian mercenaries in Syria. And Vladimir Putin didn't say anything because Vladimir Putin said we don't have that type of a military force in Syria. So he would have been lying. So he didn't say anything. And you notice that there was no military moves into anywhere by Russia or Iran. So they just didn't understand. Now, for the Saudis and the Middle East, our Middle Eastern allies, they look at what our actions are. One, they saw us pull the disastrous pullback from Afghanistan. And the reason why this plays out, because Joe Biden said, we're not going to abandon the Middle East to Russia and China. Well, that those words ring hollow, considering how we pulled out of Afghanistan, how we pulled out of Iraq. Yeah. Because they remember when he was vice president, how President Obama handled the Arabic Spring and the force out of 
Hosni Mubarak, the Egyptian leader out of, out of Egypt, and he allowed the Muslim Brotherhood to come in. Then how we went into Syria, took out Gaddafi, but we didn't replace stability there. So, and then they saw our total inaction or our, do, our kind of all over the map in Syria. And then when Syria used chemical weapons on its own people, we said we were going to bomb. They crossed a red line. And then we did nothing, so we bluffed. The Syrians called our bluff, and the whole world saw, as General Mattis said, the former Secretary of Defense under Trump, it was the shot not heard around the world. So, and you've been in the Middle East. They only understand tough talk, but with tough action. Yeah. So Biden goes there, and then some of the other things he did behind the scenes, he recognized, he pulled the Houthi rebels off the State Department terror watch list. He's doing a lot of giveaways to Iran. And that's where, when President Trump went there, when he did the Abrahamic Accords to get Israel and some of the Arab nations on a more friendly of terms, and he had the first peace agreements between the Arabs and the Israelis since the early 90s. But they're looking at Iran as a greater threat. And all he's doing, just like the, the JCPOA, which is the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, in 2015 that put together an agreement for to end Iran's nuclear ambitions, but it really didn't. It left mis- the ballistic missiles off the table. It was problematic on inspections. Iran could deny inspections or the, you have to give them so many weeks of an advance notice. And now by lifting the sanctions, Russia and China aren't going back. Yeah. But yet we're going to give them billions of dollars for a country that sponsors terrorism that the state tries to destabilize the Middle East and also threaten to kill American diplomats or American officials for the killing of Qasem Soleimani. So maybe was it maybe a ploy in a, in a sense to go there, ask for oil, know you're going to be denied, but you're like, hey, I'm over here. I might as well go to Iran and kind of just like work something over here and do something over here for them. Is it kind of like... I don't think it's a ploy or a plan. I just think Biden's national security team, it's just like his domestic team, are operating five levels above their pay grade. Now, if you start off in March of last year, Biden's entire national security team, minus Joe Biden, went to Anchorage, Alaska, where they were totally dressed down by the Chinese. It was reminiscent of when President Obama first met Vladimir Putin, and Putin dressed down how the evils of the United States. And for an hour, President Obama just sat there and listened. Can you imagine Donald Trump being lectured to by the Chinese or the Russians about how bad America? He was said, stop. Yeah, he wouldn't take it. We're not doing that. You're not going to degrade my country. So in a sense, do we need more of a president that knows politics or do we need more of a president that has a set of balls? You need a combination of both. You need a president that has a vision for where we're going in foreign policy, where we're going on the global stage, how America in, interacts with the nations of the world. And people need to understand that America is the singular leader of the free world, whether they agree with it or not, but we just need a vision. It's not a military first solution, but you can do, you have to play politics, but you also have to understand the regions that you're operating in. And a lot of Presidents, Republicans just as included, don't understand the Middle East. They look at it as, oh, I, 
the world we hope it to be and not the world we're in. And so by him going there, he's already at a disadvantage by calling him a pariah nation. Well, now he's meeting with them. And then when he did this fist bump was the stupidest thing he could do. And the reason I said that in a harsh tones. Was that like a disrespectful thing? Well, it's very disrespectful because in the Arab world, you have to shake hands with everybody. But to them, they saw that he was shaking hands with the Israeli leaders, the European leaders, and then even some Saudi leaders. But he fist bumped the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. So it's not really exuding strength. It's just they're not understanding the region they're in. And then there's this back and forth that President Biden said he brought up the Khashoggi killing. But then the foreign minister said, no, we didn't. So now we're left with who do you believe and who don't you believe? I kind of I hate to say this, but I'm kind of not believing the president because his track record is not that good. Remember, during the campaign, he said he was going to hold China responsible for the coronavirus. He's talked to President Xi a couple times and not one time did the coronavirus come up. Remember what he said in the campaign? I'm going to send a team to to Wuhan to find out the origins. There's been no team. No team's been mentioned. It's just like I'm the one president who stood up to Vladimir Putin. He doesn't want to see me as president. But he gave Vladimir Putin everything. Remember during the hacking of American infrastructure? Yeah. And then he said, well, to Putin, don't hack these areas. <laughs> so it's Hey, not, you can hack. Just don't hack over here, okay? Can you get so, it? <laughs> And then he's coming off the weakness that he when he served under Barack, Barack Obama. So the world is kind of like, well, especially the biggest thing is the debacle from Afghanistan. We left our European allies. Yeah. We threw them under the bus. And then we threw all the Afghans that supported us. Now, people can dispute we should have pulled out long ago. Whatever the reason or ever how we should have pulled out, the way we pulled out was a uttered defeat for the United States. Basically, we let a bunch of people who wear flip-flops in 10 goats defeat the United States. And the perception is we got our butts handed to. I served there two tours. What did we get out of it? The Taliban are back in power. Al-Qaeda's back in Afghanistan. They're richer than they were. We left $80 billion of modern military equipment. We abandoned our allies. We abandoned Americans. So, what do we got? I don't know if you want to say this on the radio. <laughs> What's that? Well, gotta clean it up then. Inner, okay, inner poop hole. <laughs> That's a great name. Great name, buddy. Go ahead. What do you say? What did inner poop hole say? <laughs> Trump's government passed more gun laws than Obama proved me wrong. I am not going to prove you wrong. I already know that. Well, yeah, well, but also when it came to that, real quick, is. The bump stock was the one that kind of... That was the big one for Trump. Yeah. The, the one because that was due to the actual Las Vegas shooting. Well, but okay, but going back to what, he, what the person said, Trump's government passed more gun laws than Obama, proved me wrong. My question is, what type of gun laws did President, President Trump pass that was different than President Obama? That's what you have to ask. And then the following one... The person says the same thing. Iraq is not America. We shouldn't have been there in the first place. That's debatable. We can have that argument because every intelligence service around the world 
said that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. It's the way we got in is the problem. Hey, we got to tell Iraq, I can't say yeah. with a straight face. Well, but going a little bit further was that Iraq is not America. We shouldn't have been there in the first place. This one I would disagree with. Obama passed zero gun laws. That's false. That's completely false. After Sandy Hook, they tried to pass some gun laws. They did pass some restrictions on gun rights. That I know for a fact. So I would like to do a podcast in the future of what Obama passed versus what Trump passed. Because that could take an entire well, no, it is. But, but, but you got to look in the context how things were done. What type? It's like when it comes time to executive orders. President Bush did more executive orders than President Obama. But the question is, what type of executive orders? The presidents can do executive orders on the foreign policy defense side. Constitution's very clear. But when it comes to the domestic side, the Constitution is muddled because the legislative branch has more authority in the domestic side than the president does. So it all depends what type you... Well, first off, where I stand on it is different than what happens in our government. I personally view gun laws as a restricted, it goes against the Second Amendment of shall not be infringed. I think most of us know that. But on the other hand, Obama cleared some of the path for the shootings... He wanted the red flag laws a long time ago. He wanted the assault weapons ban. The list goes on. But then you had a lot of mass shootings and a lot of pressure down Donald Trump's neck. And I don't want to sit here and defend Trump. I'm not going to. But I think what his intention was, because he had a roundtable meeting with both sides, was he was looking for a compromise. And that's pretty much up for your opinion on how you want to view that. I personally disagree. He wanted to see what was going to make most sense and what we could cut out and what we could have. So, But see, Trump wasn't, he was the first president in generations who wasn't more of an, especially in the post-Cold War era, he wasn't an ideologue. He looked at things, okay, this is a problem, let's fix it. And right. whatever you took it, the way you agree with it or not, this is what we did. But going back to what, the real crux of the podcast is the foreign policy of him going to Saudi Arabia. It just showed weakness. Now, if you showed the video, it didn't get really panned too much, but I saw it on Saturday with Tony Blinken, Jake Sullivan, and President Obama in the front, and in the back there was the rest of the national security team. And then you had the Saudi, I think, foreign minister or one of the Saudi spokesmen say we are not going to be able to increase energy production beyond adding another million barrels of oil onto the glo- into the world market. And you can see the face of his national security team. They just look utterly defeated. So that's the only thing I would say. Now, we can have this other dis- debate about who passed gun laws and what, but the crux of this podcast is on that. This was right. not a good step and then it played into is joe biden up to the level of the presidency he needs meaning is his health there because it's not just me saying this or conservatives saying this this is strictly coming from democrats where 64 percent of democratic who are polled by the new york times stated that they want someone else to run now they only became 92 percent if it was donald trump right but then there's others like politico others 
you have the New York Times, Washington Post saying we need somebody else. Well, can I go back a little bit? Is that they were showing all this stuff between Biden and Saudi Arabia, and CNN was calling this a win. No, there, it's not a win. It was clearly it was bad. It was a humiliation because. What did we get out of it? We didn't increase energy production. There was no agreements. There was no agreement in Iran because Saudi Arabia and the Gulf states, their big fear is Iran. That's what they look at. Well, wasn't it maybe more like, hey, Biden's, hey, America, I'm trying to do something, but it's not working. Is he trying to like some ill attempt to say, I'm doing whatever I can to reduce the oil cost. Just yeah, he's, see, but, he, It's like a dog and pony show well, in a it sense. Is, but see, that's the point. If he's trying to increase energy production to get to drive down oil prices here, why are you going to Saudi Arabia to do that? Why did you send, I think it was in May, he sent a high-level national security team to Venezuela, and then you're trying to get a nuclear agreement with Iran to get more energy onto the market when... You would even meet with your own energy companies in the United States. Yeah. And I know the argument is these energy companies are making all this money, which is true. But back in 2020, they weren't because demand dropped. But the question I would have is no energy company is going to invest in permits or leases or build anything because they, look what happened in the Keystone. How many companies invested millions into that pipeline only to see the government cancel it at the last minute and they lose all their investment it's not going to happen i hear you inner poop hole that's a <laughs> interesting name i what's that? His, his username inner poop hole i want to know who it is <laughs> oh. it's an interesting <laughs> name you can't even call mr poop hole yeah excuse me <laughs> mr hole <laughs> this one i don't get god made man glock made man equal well it's the same thing it's the same thing that uh, colt said oh. god made man cult made every man equal peacemaker but i mean but see but and that's this now oil prices are coming down because demand for oil it hasn't supplies change it's just demand for that oil now that could what, change has demand di diminished or demand increased well, demand decreased because everybody's rechanging how they so what's the president going to do tomorrow with his whole climate change kind of he's trying to I, people are looking at him like he's de going to declare a national emergency on climate change, so what can we expect? Well, with Joe, with President Biden, he's captivated by that progressive, far left element of the Democratic Party. So anything can come out of it. But you got to remember the things that he does by executive action, he's limited because you're now you're crossing into the uh, the arena of the legislative branch. That was the whole reason with the Supreme Court. I know a lot of people disagreed with it, but what they said is. I got it that you're worried about the climate, but we still have a constitution, and the legislature is the ones that writes the laws. The executive is the one that enforces it. We just interpret on a constitutional level what comes out of these things. So basically, he's telling all three branches, stay in your lane. So and that's because there's some things that conservatives were against when he they overturned the executive action by Donald Trump about remaining Mexico. And it goes back to the federalism part. They just said, this isn't your bollywork to make a law. That's Congress's job. Now, if Congress fails to do their job, that means the American people have to devote new people in. That's the same thing with they say about abortion. 
They said it's illegal at the federal level, but as long as abortion has been legal, the Democrats never codified it into law at the federal level. They had many opportunities during the late 70s under Carter with Clinton when he had a majority of both the houses. Obama had the greatest opportunity. He had a super majority in the House and well, 60 vote threshold, veto proof majority in the Senate. He didn't do it. So if it's almost like they don't care. Right now, for two years, the Democrats have controlled the White House, the Senate, and the House. They never codified that into law. So basically what the Supreme Court said is, states, you decide what level of abortion you want to have. If you want to have abortion, you make that decision by voting and electing your lawmakers to make these laws. Okay, so with everything going on tomorrow with Biden and the climate change kind of state of emergency, there seems to be the House tries is looks like it's trying to get something by us. Yeah, this is something Ray can talk to with with a the, the House is trying to cat, write up a bill for a gun. So it's already been a bill as I'm on Congress.gov. I'm actually going to read this. I don't. I'm not going to read it from word to word, but it was introduced last Who March. Who introduced it? It was Representative David Ceciline. Okay. Ceciline. If I pronounce that correctly, from Rhode Island, Democrat from March 11th, 2021. It's currently in the House. It is H.R. 1808. It is the assault weapons ban of 2021. And it is the prohibition of any semi... It's. I'm just going to read it from the actual text. It is, a, it is the ban of a semi-automatic assault weapon and large capacity ammunition feeding devices. So you're... 30 round mags. I'm pretty sure they're going to make it. They're going to announce it probably tomorrow, but it's probably going to be like a 10 or 15 round magazine limit. Yeah. And then anything above that would be considered banned. It will be it will be a crime to knowingly import, sell, manufacture, transfer or possess a semi-automatic assault weapon. Yeah. So what that means is there is no grandfathering, there is no fee to own what you already own. It sounds like they are going to have you surrender your weapon that you already own. And if you don't surrender them, are they going to, you really think they're going to well, come for them? <laughs> it'll probably pass the House because oh. the House is always about, it's the way the Constitution was set up. Alexander Hamilton said it in the Federalist Papers House was all about emotion. Right. They put the Senate in there as part of the compromise at the Constitutional Convention, to be, whoa, we got your emotional. Now let's just debate this fully through. But even if that went up to the Supreme Court, they would have they would kick it back, wouldn't they? It all depends. Or could the states be like, hey, that's a nice bill you got there. Go after yourself. It all depends. I mean, the Politely. state, the Supreme Court, I think in Heller said there could be reasonable gun control, but if you start going too far. The Supreme Court said, wait a minute, you've gone too far here. So it, it definitely will be an interesting argument because when we let out the first assault weapons ban run out and expire and they didn't renew it, that also, I believe that went to Supreme Court. I don't know how far up it went, but there was a case that our politicians were sitting at and they argued and basically it was argued that these rifles, these semi-automatic weapons, also known in your media term assault weapon, was protected by the Second Amendment. And that was in, I believe, late 2004, early 2005. So I would be very interested to see if that argument is brought back from back then and what they're going to add to it moving forward. The other thing is if it passes the House, it goes to the Senate. Now, the time frame... 
isn't there because next month, for the full month of August, the Senate's in recess because they're going to be their members are going to visit get campaign mode. Then you got September. Then you're in a new fiscal year, October one, and then you're getting ready for the midterm. So it may pass the House. I just don't see it getting into the Senate and moving beyond that. But see, the other problem I see with a lot of these bills, there's never been a debate. This is what Joe Manchin said way back in March. He said, we got to get back to the institutional norms that we once were. None of these things have been debated or studied or in the committees. Usually you bring a bill to the committee. The Republicans say it's a Democrat looking at the gun bill. The Democrats bring this gun bill. The Republicans bring their witnesses, Democrats bring their witnesses, and they hash it out. We've done these this past two years. None of these things have gone through a committee hearing to discuss this, flush this out. They just write it up, and they just move it on. There's no debate, and it goes to the full floor. So that's what Manchin's talking about. He goes, we got to get back to the constitutional norms where you debate these, discuss these, and make our amendments, make our compromises in these committees. It should also be enlightening. I would like to enlighten people that we are moving more and more towards a pro-gun country and less of the anti-gun agenda. Half of the country now, 25 states, have moved towards constitutional carry. We have Bruin versus New York. So, I mean... But a lot of that has to do with, there was a commentator, this is, I think, last year, when it came to gun control, this is before the Uvalde and before mm-hmm. the mass shooting up in Illinois, that because of the rising crime, people are like, what the heck? It's just like what happened to the bodega, not bodega, the, uh, the bodega owner. He was initially charged for second degree murder. He oh, would, The charges yeah. were dropped. Yes. And he was sent to Rikers Island, and people were like, well, wait a minute. It was self-defense. This guy and his girlfriend are the per- perpetrators of this. And there's stories of people are afraid to walk the streets of New York. Yeah. I have a friend of mine who's big into the dental industry when they have conventions. Well, certain cities, people don't want to go. Like if they were San Francisco Moscone Center, lost a lot of convention traffic because people are scared of the safety. Portland, a lot of these cities have lost. Look at Chicago. We Being in Florida, we've gotten a couple. We just got a tech company that moved down from Chicago to here because they're afraid of the safety. They're afraid of all the other issues revolved around that. But you bring up a lot of cities that are pro-criminal. They're pro-violence with the criminal. They let the criminals walk. That has nothing to do with an inanimate object that is used by that user. We need to focus and change the topic of conversation of, no, this isn't gun violence. This is people, horrible, evil people committing wicked acts on the bystander, innocent person. We could bring up last night's events that happened in Indiana with the mall shooter. He was surpri- he was neutralized in 15 seconds. Well, but here's the other thing. I, but we mentioned this before. I'm a little bit older than you guys, but and I work at a law enforcement supply company. We fit the law enforcement vehicles with their lights right. and everything, and we, do, we also sell firearms. Well, I talk to a law enforcement official at the federal, state, and local level, and I tell them I got it. Everybody wants to focus on the guns, but we also got to focus on things 
when I was a kid, I don't remember turning on the TV, watching the news, and there's a mass shooting somewhere. Right. Every day there's a mass shooting. Yep. We didn't see the carnage pulling out of Chicago that I did when I was a kid. But he also mentioned, and every law enforcement official I talked to said the same thing. There's a lack of the nuclear family. When I was a kid, there was two parents were the norm. Now that's kind of the exception. Right. So if you don't strengthen the family, like those four or five kids, teenagers, one was at the youngest 10, threw cones that killed a 73-year-old man, and then reports came out and said that they were out at 2 o'clock in the morning. What's a 10-year-old doing out at 2 o'clock in the morning? What's a 14-year-old doing out at 2 o'clock in the morning? So you got to ask yourself, where are the parents? The shooting in Illinois. The parents, even though they came from a two-parent family, they were dysfunctional. Yep. The the Uvalde shooting. The kid, mother Didn't was a dr- drug addict. The father was absent. The grandparents were not there. But, I mean, grandparents aren't supposed to be raising kids. I know they do. Right. But where are the parents? And it just... All these things got to play out. We got to look at everything in a vacuum, and we got to look at our va- our moral compass as a nation is gone. We're not we're desensitized. Everybody's all jumped all over the Illinois shooting. Where was Governor Pritzker when he was appalled and outraged? But he didn't say anything about the 17 people killed over that weekend in Chicago. He's never going to be there on those weekends. That's the module that they're going for. Their platform for gun control look is at the, the city of Chicago. Look at the recent shooting by the Minneapolis Police Department. This African-American shot numerous rounds into the apartment building of this African-American woman with her and her children there. Right. Look what happened to her. And when the police confronted the killer and killed them, look what the Black Lives Matter jumped all over the mother. Oh, you killed this person. Look Look where we're going. Right. And this is some of the things we need to address. It is god-awful. There's different things that we need to look at, and the furthest thing that we need to look at is probably firearms. I mean, we, we need to start addressing individuals who have mental issues. What needs to be addressed there is would probably stop majority of our shootings if it was taken care of in the beginning. Well, yeah, like the one up in Illinois, the father... This kid threatened the family to kill him, to cause bodily harm, and he still was able, the father still helped him get a firearm. I mean, that, I'm no attorney, but I think the, the parents have culpability there because they, in every place, these mass shootings, there's mental illness there. California spends about $2 billion. They had mass shootings. There's killings all over the place there. And now they're going to pay. They're, they're so. going to pay criminals to stop shooting each other. Oh, yeah. See how that works work. out. So, John, how can they get a hold of us? Yeah, I know we've been talking a lot about different issues here, but, I mean. You that's, can a good, a, that's a good show. You can get a hold of us by going to UbaldiReports at gmail.com. That's UbaldiReports at gmail.com. You can check us out on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Parler, Tumblr, Truth Social. There's a lot of ways to get a hold of YouTube. So let us know what you think. And I do appreciate those who commented in. We may not have agreed on certain things, but we can have a cordial debate and discuss the issues that are impacting our country because that's all we want is to provide information. Let's debate these things in a civilized manner to fix our country, to make sure that everybody can benefit 
from the greatness that America is. So go ahead and you can follow us on all social platforms. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also take us on Truth, on Parlor, and on Getter. Ray, how can I get a hold of you? You can help get a hold of me at raymond.aags at gmail.com. We could talk anything, gun control, Second Amendment, customizing your weapon, anything like that. All right. And then Ray and I have a little bit of a, I guess you would consider it a spicier show called All American Gunslingers. You can catch us at 630, usually Wednesdays, and you can kind of hear a little bit more of an uncensored, more brash kind of talk where we talk about guns, we talk about whiskey, and we talk about cigars and all kind of guys and stuff. So check us out on All American Gunslingers, all platforms, social media platforms, and we will talk to you soon. And we'll be back on Wednesday night, Eastern Standard Time at 7.30. The only reason why we're doing it on Tuesday is Joe, being the good father that he is, is going to spend time tomorrow with his daughter because it's her birthday. Awesome. So keep following your Baldy Reports.